Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Chinny. And I'm Astrid, and welcome to It's a Continent, the podcast that widens access to African history. We're also the co-authors of a book by the same name. You can find out more information about us on itsacontinent.com. We're here to challenge the common misconception that Africa is a country by appreciating the identity of each nation. Through each episode, we'll be exploring key historical moments which have shaped the continent. Welcome back to another episode of It's a Continent. We're excited to be here. We We're are. back again mm. behind the pods in the studio. Coats on. <laughs> we won't mention that. <laughs> well, no, caveat though, if you do, because Chili was concerned about potential rustling because we're both here with, with coats on. It's cold. It's because it's cold. It's six. I don't know how I'm going to fare in snow. This is why I'm not going. <laughs> Legit. Hey, you could write all about it in the newsletter. Yes, newsletter. Look wow. at the transition. Second episode <laughs> and we are transitioning like we've never transitioned before. Radio so, 1, we're here. We're here. <laughs> Actually, we might be too old for that now. But Radio 2. Yes, newsletter. We'll be dropping the next one in February. In February. But we'll have, yeah, all sorts. Talking There'll about be travels. Yes, I will be talking about my travels. Girl mm. is doing her first ever ski trip. Yes, so. more black people skiing. Yes, yeah. You can tell me all about it and maybe I might be inclined you to might, join. I feel like you never will. <laughs> never. First step, indoor skiing. But I'm honestly really, really excited. Mm. So if you're considering and thinking about doing skiing, I will be sharing more in yes. our second newsletter. So make sure you check it out on itsacontinent.com forward slash newsletter. We kept it simple. Yeah. Right. Let's get this going. Let's have this chat. Starting off, actually, before we do that, with African pride. Yes. Um, this week, mine goes to Cameroonian-American artist Libyanka. She is a rising star in the music industry with her song People ranking as the fifth biggest Afrobeats track in Spotify's history. Wow. She has also made history as the first Cameroonian artist to break into the UK top 10. So congrats. Yes. Her talent has earned her widespread recognition with Rolling Stone magazine describing her as the Afro soul siren who can do everything. I love that. Love it. I want someone to describe me. Describe me. Okay, less Afro soul because I cannot sing. <laughs> but yeah, Siren who can do everything. That is, yeah, love that. She has been singing from a young age and started writing songs at the age of 10. Her passion for music led her to join a choir and sign a local record deal in her mid teens. In 2021, Libyanka was a contestant on The Voice US and two years later found herself serving as the opening act on Alicia Keys' tour. She is definitely one to watch for 2024, and just wanted to recognise that. No, absolutely. Congrats. No, Afrobeats is having a really good time. I mean, they played the Rema. <laughs> Rema calmed down at the London fireworks. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh my gosh, I did not. <laughs> he has gone clear. Okay. How did I miss that? <laughs> and I was watching Rick Astley on the telly. Got trolled on New Year's Eve instead, really, of, instead of seeing Rebba. Really did. But yeah, no, it's really having a moment. So congratulations. Right. 
today's episode, we are diving into the complex and multifaceted topic that is black tax. The term black tax originated in South Africa and refers to the financial support provided by black individuals to their immediate and extended family. This support can include anything from paying for groceries to rent or school fees. It is motivated by a deep sense of responsibility and viewed as an unspoken obligation often rooted in black culture. While the term isn't widely used, the concept is observable in many black communities. The black tax is often seen as a way to uplift the community with successful family members expected to contribute financially to less fortunate relatives. However, this can also create a significant burden that can hinder financial progress. In the United States, the term black tax is also used, but in this case, it's used to refer to the additional burden placed on African-Americans when it comes to having to work twice as hard to prove their worth. So caveat, Mm. they're used kind of in two slightly different um, contexts. But again, just wanted to share. Before we get into this conversation, I do want to provide a bit of context. I really wanted to have this conversation on the pod because firstly, it's close to home for me and those in my circle. And I've also been curious to hear about other people's experiences of it because it's a conversation and maybe it's just my circle but it's a conversation I don't think we openly have as a community Mm. and so it is a lived experience for many of us which also has connections with themes we tackle on the podcast like imperialism colonialism and apartheid so I found that quite interesting but that also being said the black tax isn't exclusive to the black community you know other communities also experience it in their own ways and the purpose of this conversation because I've seen as I've been doing research and sort of immersing myself in this is this isn't a conversation as whether or not the black tax is good or bad like no feel free to use other platforms to do that yeah what I wanted to do is just create a space to explore its complexities because it is such a complex it is. topic and it's not like a yeah. right or wrong, good or bad, the reasons. There are so many different reasons. I just wanted to spend this time, have a chat and explore those and mm-hmm. yeah, see. Definitely. So the term itself, black tax, is widely debated. The first camp of people believe that the black tax is an unavoidable responsibility and they have no choice but to support their family members financially. They feel obligated to provide even if this means sacrificing their financial goals and aspirations. On the other hand, the second camp believes this financial responsibility should be called something else, such as family support, as the term tax has negative connotations. They believe this responsibility is not a burden, but rather an honour that they can fulfil. Something both camps do share is a sense of pride, as it's been found that those who make this financial contribution take pride in being able to provide support to their loved ones in this way, in some cases, just as their family members have supported them in the past. I'm, when I was looking at this, I'm like, okay, which camps do I fall into? Mm. I'm not a huge fan of the term black tax. Mm. I do agree that it does have negative connotations i just get triggered by the word taxes but you know <laughs> you get triggered by richard sunak saying he's gonna cut taxes <laughs> when is that man leaving anyway <laughs> you know it's something we all pay it's a mandatory financial charge there's no way of getting around it but there's also an element that you know black tax is so nuanced it's a different kind of responsibility and so one thing i would like to say though is for me that element of it becoming a burden and being much more of 
kind of preventative for someone is when you're starting to borrow money in order to then support. Mm. That's when I think that whole idea of it being a burden and you're sort of then making huge compromises and sacrifices yourself in order then to sustain others. And I think mm. that's when the conversation leads more to that idea of being a burden. Mm. I do think we need a different term to recognise it, but yeah. Yeah, it's also interesting though, because this kind of predates um, the individualistic viewpoint that we have in the West, where it's, it's mine, it's my yeah. money. Whereas actually, like, particularly in, in, in many African societies, it's more of a communal thing. Like everyone kind of dips in the dips pot. In and, if, yeah. you're, if you need help, I'll help you. You'll help me later. I know I'll help you later. So we all kind of eat together mm-hmm. whereas yeah it can be a bit of a problem when we're just forced to just stick to just nuclear family it's just that and it, then there's no other support it's just you and then you kind of it kind of is at odds with with western culture so i can see that clashing definitely the lack of inclusivity linked to the term black tax has led to some people using the term sandwich generation now this refers to individuals who financially support two generations and struggle to save for their own needs. So yeah, again, I, I do agree that like if it then becomes detrimental to yourself and you can no yeah. longer support yourself, then yeah, then it becomes a bit of an issue. Yeah, and I think for me, I do prefer the term sandwich generation because you do find, and maybe it's just from my own experience, you're then straddling supporting your generation potentially. Obviously, I don't have children. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, if I did, like your children, but mm. then also extended. So it's yeah. the combination of the two kind of stuck in between. Mm. Um, so I think I, I get it. I get it. Understanding the historical context is crucial to this conversation, especially in relation to South Africa, which, as we said, is where the term originated from. The arrival of Europeans on the continent brought about the exploitation of resources, the displacement of people and the dispossession of land, which we've covered in so many different episodes oh, in different ways. I mean... <laughs> and, you know, these changes were justified under the guise of things like religion, law, the civilization of Africans. And from a South African perspective with apartheid, non-white South Africans were severely disadvantaged by discriminatory laws that perpetuated racial segregation and really kept them just above the poverty line. Some of the policies included influx control, which essentially limited the flow of black South Africans into towns by controlling who was allowed in the urban areas. The government did this by using passes so people could not freely leave rural areas to look for jobs in urban areas. They needed references or family members in the cities they visited. Otherwise, they'd be branded as illegal immigrants by the apartheid authorities and jailed. As a result, the community and its care, you know, then couldn't build generational wealth. Exactly. And I think something to add, obviously, that's like a South Africa example. But throughout the different countries that we cover in the podcast, we do see the challenges that communities have faced. And so mm-hmm. it helps to explain why people, are, people find say, themselves yeah. in, in these sorts of situations, especially mm-hmm. considering like independence really kickstarted like 1960s. So we're still saying, like centuries behind, really. Yeah. Because they kind of have robbed us of being able to build our own wealth. Post-apartheid, you then had a black middle class really emerge and begin that kind of rebuilding process. And this is where we really see the black tax truly take form as this group and many like them essentially became responsible for breaking the cycle of poverty. And whilst simultaneously also uplifting the rest of the family. And I really like this comment that one commentator puts it is they were trying to survive and provide. The challenge here is you're trying to push forward, but also 
bring everyone along with you. An example of this, uh, which is covered, which I definitely need to read his book. In the South African comedian Trevor Noah's autobiographical book, Born a Crime, he acknowledges the concept of the black tax and his mother's fear that he would be entangled in the burden of the black tax. And she reflects on how so many black families spend all their time trying to fix the problems of the past. That is the curse of being, you know, she said, that is the curse of being black and poor. And it is a curse that follows you from generation to generation. Because the generations who came before you have been pillaged rather than being free to use their skills and education to move forward. So you lose everything just trying to bring everyone behind you back up to zero. Mm, Yeah, because you're not even on zero. This is what I mean. (laughs) You're like way in the minuses because of that fair comment around the whole, you know, we're trying to fix the past. We can't read. How are we going to find a way forward? Because we're having to fix the past. We're not being given you know, calls for reparations, for example. This yeah. would be used to address these structural issues. And I think it's that. It's such a, for me personally, I feel like the root of it and a strong element of that root does come from the consequences of imperialism, colonial, like mm. all of the definitely heavily influenced. But combining that with also those cultural elements as well in terms of being much more community focused mm. just as a people. In terms of the cultural context, the historical context helps to explain some of the origins of the black tax. However, cultural expectations and traditions also play a role. So culturally, a lot of value is placed on collectivism and community, which means that often an individual prioritises the needs of their families over their own. This can lead to an internal conflict between their desire to pursue their own goals and aspirations and their sense of obligation to provide financial support to their families. Some of those who feel forced to pay contend with a fear of judgment and potentially being ostracised. There's this idea that if you could choose not to pay, then you're not a good child. You're not being the number one child who, for example, went to university for the first time and the entire community is trusting you and believes you're going to be the saviour for everyone. That is such a huge burden on someone. Yeah, and actually this kind of almost links back to, you know, we did that episode with um, Ike. We uh, discussed people migrating and this is actually what they're trying to do here because they're going to just be sending money trying to you know they think okay i'll then be able to build a house be able to buy a car for my mom yeah do all these things but at the same time they're making a huge sacrifice because they can never go back Mm -hmm. because they've they've gone into that country illegally that's such a good point and even in that example just highlights the value and the importance that community and family plays mm. because you know in no u-turn which i hope you guys have watched yes the film, and you better listen to our episode, episode. yes um, <laughs> 27th of december is when it came out <laughs> okay she's good on dates when it's recent <laughs> yes um but kind of being stuck in limbo for, for so long and still kind of being like okay when i get there i'll be able to do this this and it's never from a i'm doing this for myself yeah it's very so, selfless yeah which again is very selfless experience, especially yeah. when you're putting your life at risk you, yeah people can't understand in the west because they were like why would you do that because mm. it is every man for themselves yeah there isn't really that kind of collectivist attitude which is why people don't really understand that concept. Well, why would they be doing that? Or why is it just men coming over? Mm-hmm. Well, because they're the ones that are generally going to provide, you know. The emotional burden of the black tax is evident in the experiences shared by those who are impacted by it. 
There's a case study where someone who makes this contribution describes feeling overwhelmed at the beginning of the year when they had to buy their sister comfortable shoes for nursing college and school shoes for their three boys and two other children. They compared it to giving birth to six children without evaluating whether they could afford it. This highlights the financial strain that providing support through the black tax can place on individuals and families. I do think to a point there around not understanding where people do it. Doing research on it, there was a lot of comments around, you know, well, just stop. Yeah. You know, if you, emotionally it's impacting you, it's imp- impacting you financially, why don't you just stop? But I think it's more than just remove, removing it can have significant mm-hmm significant consequences especially if you're let's say have someone back home who is potentially sick the Mm. infrastructure may not be there and so that is a significant challenge and also combining that with the cultural expectations lack of governmental support I think it makes it really challenging to just pull away and say set a boundary just Mm -hmm. cut it off Mm -hmm. um yeah it makes it difficult definitely and on that topic of financial strain A study by Arinamo Magoma and Anthony Wilson-Prangley found that those who provided support were dissatisfied with their savings levels Mm. and believed it hindered their ability to save and invest. Which makes makes sense. sense. However, despite these challenges, they still found satisfaction in being able to improve the lives of others, reduce inequality and strengthen intergenerational links and their reputation at home. This kind of reminds me of how like there's so much money in remittances because the governments often won't actually help or fund or don't have the capacity to fund a lot of arguments as to why they're not providing. But remittances make such a huge contribution to people's lives um, in many of the people's home countries, um, which which makes sense because they're helping to reduce inequality. Because imagine if they didn't even receive remittances. Yeah, it would just be pretty, pretty dire. This suggests that the black tax is not just a financial burden, but also a source of pride and a way to demonstrate their commitment to their families and communities. Another important discussion to also have around black tax is which perspective we're looking at it from. There's a view that black tax is something created through a Western lens where individualism, capitalism and materialism have a strong role, which then views African values of collectivism as demonstrated by providing financial support as a taxable asset. Mm. Which I think is what we've, you know, have been alluding to is that sense of, because if you view it then from a Western lens, it's then why would you do that? But it's actually much more than that. As as you said, people do have an element of pride in being able to provide and support their families in this way. Mm, but at the same time as well, you do also have people who perhaps are first-gen or second-gen immigrants where their parents are paying a lot of money to people back home and they feel some type of way like, hello, <laughs> I need a laptop for school or yeah. you know all these other things. But they're just seeing their family's money going elsewhere. going elsewhere. And because of the distance between them or not being able to visit home, they're just like, well, I don't even know these people. So mm. that then causes additional tension within uh within the family there definitely discussions that i've seen online yeah and i think there was an interesting um story that they shared about their experiences of you're working hard you get your paycheck and you know that you're gonna you plan on sending x amount but also not judging how that money gets spent yeah by the person and i get so there is so much i feel like emotionally there are so many different elements at play here because you're sort of then like well, I'm freely giving it, but then 
I can't also control how you yeah, use you, yeah. that. Do yeah. I have a right to? And what does that mean if I do that? Going beyond the historical context and cultural expectation, a lack of infrastructure and governmental support also plays a role. Why kind of people feel the need to provide this financial support? An example of this is social welfare coverage, which is either non-existent or not functioning properly in many African countries. And so having to support family members often falls on the shoulders of their loved ones. This is especially true for older generations who may not have access to adequate resources to support themselves. In these circumstances, it then becomes the responsibility of the younger generation to step up and provide for their elders. In an interview with DW, a 29-year-old man from Lagos, Nigeria, shared that he has essentially put his life on hold to support his parents and siblings. He owns a nail salon and almost half of his salary goes towards taking care of his father, sister and other relatives. Due to societal failures and a lack of government support, he has become his family's only source of income. This is obviously then an issue in countries where unemployment is a significant problem and individuals are burdened with responsibilities that should also be shared with the government. Yeah. Because you can't have... A 29, he's so young, and to have that responsibility. So children cannot be the retirement plan. Well, unfortunately, a lot of people do actually do that. So that's why sometimes you have a higher birth rate, because then it kind of secures the future a little bit. Yeah. But then, yeah, again, it it builds resentment within those children as well. So I doubt that this 29-year-old man is happy that half of his... Half of his business is going towards... Do you know what I mean? That. That's challenging. Black tax is very much a temporary solution. I don't think it can be considered as a permanent fix. Mm -mm. Um, In some cases, it does run the risk of being passed down from generation to generation, as we saw with this idea of the sandwich generation. But in terms of practical solutions, we're not going to be doing all the solutions and anything like that in the podcast, don't worry. I think a lot that came up as I was reading on this topic was around setting boundaries and, you know, really being clear. It's given Esther Perel. Oh, we love her out here. But, and being clear on which individuals will and won't receive support. I just don't think, I think to a certain degree could work and in some scenarios, yes. But I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all type situation Mm. because in some cases it is difficult to make that decision and being able to then say no in certain situations and yes in others, it's just a bit messy. But I also think that setting boundaries doesn't go far enough. There has to be an element of continuing our, because we said, you know, it's part of the cultural, traditional values and that level of like community. I think to a certain degree it will always exist. Mm, I think so. But that being said, there's an element of uplifting people to support and sustain themselves. And that's when the conversation for me really opens up into areas like reparations and government support, because that plays Mm. quite a significant role Mm -hmm. in terms of then being able to support people in being much more self-sustaining and supporting Mm. themselves. So definitely think it's one of those elements kind of culturally, which is going to take a variety of solutions at different levels, you know, individuals taking ownership in terms of quote unquote boundaries, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm, questionable. Mm-hmm. But that conversation of like the consequences of things like colonialism in terms of today still mm-hmm. and getting ourselves, bringing people back up to zero is 
yeah. an important one to have. And governments also having a bit of responsibility there as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, no, that was a really interesting topic. Um, it's nice to hear about the history of black tax. It's often often a bit of a gripe. <laughs> in yeah, like first I've gen like heard people. the word, and yeah. I was like, I don't really know. So yeah. I was like, okay, let's let's let's, find out. let's, let's dive find in. Out. So yeah. yeah, no, it's been it's been an interesting one. Thanks for listening to another episode of It's a Continent. You can follow us on Twitter, It's a Continent. On Instagram, It's a Continent Pod. You can also sign up to our newsletter at itsaconstant.com slash newsletter. We will see you in two weeks time. See you then.